Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hey, it's me, Melissa. Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by No More Guilt with Melissa Landry. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. Look, we're dietitians, but we're not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for the process, support, and focus you need to live life without food guilt, apply for a coaching program from today's sponsor, me. I'm currently enrolling clients into one-to-one programs, group programs, and I recently added a do-it-yourself format, the Ex-Dieter's Guide to No More Guilt. Apply for a program at melissalandrynutrition.com. I hope to meet you soon. Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there, everyone. Today we have Erin Flores, fellow registered dietitian, here to talk about how diet culture impacts male body image. And then we're going to zoom out and talk about how diet culture impacts partner dynamics in general. Erin, we're thrilled to have you here. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and let everyone know more about you? Yeah, well, um, thanks to each of you for having me on. I'm super excited to talk to your audience about all of this stuff. I, uh, I've been a dietitian for, oh lordy, uh, it's coming up on 14 years, uh, which is hard to say out loud. Uh, this is my career change. I used to work in internet game development back in the like com boom of the 90s and hated it and went back to school to become a dietitian. Um, I started this career trajectory from a very different perspective than where I am now. I, I started uh, really coming at this from a weight loss perspective and learning about intuitive eating and health at every size and body trust forced me to radically change and first look at my own relationship with food and body and then, um, you know, uh, bring that out as a professional too and, and have, make some radical changes. Um, so I have a private practice in Calabasas, California. It's all virtual right now, obviously with COVID. And I also work for Center for Discovery and I am their senior coordinator for weight inclusive care. So trying to help that, uh, that organization make sure treatment centers are inclusive around body diversity. Um, I, I also have a podcast called Dietitians Unplugged. We're not doing any any new uh, recordings right now, but people those need are to go still, back um, though. They need to go back yeah. and get that. Yeah, yeah, we love that podcast. <laughs> I've learned a 80, lot on that podcast. <laughs> you have about eighty episodes to just hang out and and binge listen to uh, right now. Um, and and I'm a yeah I'm a dietitian and a certified body trust provider. And I'm a father. I have twins who um, who are thirteen, almost thirteen and a half now. Um, and my partner, yeah, my partner and I are here in Southern California. Um, trying to do manage COVID life. Yeah. And, uh, and just, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. Well, I admire your story, Aaron. I think for all of us dietitians in private practice who do individual work, 
there's always that pull and that thread of like, okay, how do we help people who are struggling at an individual level? And how do we impact the structures that are causing the individual pain in the first place? So I love that you kind of have one foot in each space with your work. Thank you for what you do. It's awesome. Um, I guess today, you know, coming from your perspective, now remind me, do you work exclusively with male clients or tell me oh, no. about your, your, your approach? No, my practice is, um, my practice is open to anyone who wants to work with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the way I sort of see it. I see it, you know, I'm, I see this as very, um, I think about a lot. I think about consent a lot with my, in my practice and I, I practice in a very specific way and that way. Uh, includes a lot of compassion, uh, a lot of curiosity and Mm non-judgment. And I might, I have a lot of discussions with my clients that might feel very different than what they might've traditionally done with past dietitians. I'm not the only dietitian doing it this way. Let let me just say that also. Um, It's not like I'm a unicorn. Um, It's more that, um, you know, in my, in my work, it's really about like, we're going to get to some deep conversations around food and body. Like you said, mentioning structures that are oppressive to bodies. And, and so, yeah, we're going to talk about food probably less than you think. uh, But we're also going to zoom out and think about how these structures of oppression uh, affect your, your lived experience in your body. So yes, I see a lot of diverse folks in my, in my practice, um, and it's, you know, I, again, I, I'll work with anyone who wants to work with me. Yeah. What I think is important that you do is that there is some signaling, you know, being a man with lived experience as a man to men who don't really see themselves depicted, I think, in this space a lot. Um, I have had people reach out. Can you help me with my dad? Where should he go? My male partner, my brother. It, I think for a man struggling with body image concerns and, and food struggles, it's hard to know where to go. So I'm just curious for you, especially since you kind of came from this from a, a weight loss perspective in the beginning, what has been your experience, some of the messages that men get and, and how that might be different or the same for, for women from yeah. what you've seen? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And, and I think one, you know, why I'm always happy to have this conversation is because it's not happening nearly as often enough as, as, as it needs to. The, the one layer that I'm just going to sort of add to is that um, as, as someone, I identify as fat. Mm-hmm. And so also being a fat dietitian and male, it, again, it's like, yeah. I think it le- leads into exactly what we were saying, right? That like no one see, no one gets to work with anyone that looks like them. Um, and so, so that is a pull for folks as well. And so just, just naming body size in that as well. Uh, when it comes down to this discussion around how body image is affecting men and, and, and what are the struggles that, that I'm seeing in my clients, I want to make sure that I, as I answer that, right, that it can feel very like, oh, this must be what it is. Right. And I, and I just want to say like, I have just my perspective on this. And, and in, in reality, the male experience and the male identified experience of body image is hugely diverse. Mm-hmm. And, and it is just as diverse as the experience of female identified folks and their body image. There are just many more voices mm-hmm. talking about it. So we see all the nuances and the perspectives. 
what I'm hoping is as we do this, right, and why I love having this conversation is that we bring more male identified voices to the table to share their experience. Because I can share, I mean, and I'm happy to share like what happens with the clients I see, mm-hmm. but I can't extrapolate that to everyone, right? And make assumptions to the general population of, of male folks because I'm missing stuff. Like I will just inherently miss sure. stuff and I want to stop doing that. So what I see, number one is folks are struggling, period. Like they, folks are really struggling in their body and that's, uh, it doesn't matter about body size, right? I mean, yes, there folks in smaller bodies are struggling and folks in larger bodies are struggling. What's what's really important to think about is, I think about a, a few things. One is how masculinity, I'm calling it bro culture, right? Are, are just so harmful in in how we think about bodies. It's like, you have to fit into this very strict guideline, similar to females and female, those who identify as female, like here's the guideline, right? But because it's like so much more subtle in some ways that when you butt up against it or you try to say something like, hey, that doesn't like, I'm struggling. That doesn't work for me. Like I, I, I'm not going to have abs like that, no matter how many crunches I do and no matter how many CrossFit expeditions I make, I'm not going to have a Chris Evans abs, right? Just not going to happen. And then you say that and someone's like, bro, dude, you're just not hacking enough. Like, you know, have you tried this? Have you tried like, you know, uh, going down on the number of grams of protein? I'm like, oh Lord, like that's really our answer to this question. Is it like, you're not biohacking enough instead of my second point, compassion. Like no one is sitting together and saying like, yeah, this sucks. Like I feel so much pressure to, to be perfect in my body. And, you know, I just want to acknowledge that as, as in, in this, as we talk about zooming out, right. Systems of oppression, males, cis males, especially have a much wider range of what is an acceptable body, right? It's not as narrow as, as, as female identified folks. Right. So we do have more latitude in that sense, but if anything outside of that latitude is, is really unacceptable. And so I just see, I see so much like fat phobia that is veiled as humor Right. I watch the office and like, I just have to like turn it off sometimes. And I love the office and I'm like, Oh, like, couldn't the writer's room have just been a little bit smarter. And like, instead of going for cheap laughs over like body size and poor Stanley and Kevin, like, you know, all the assumptions about their health and and, like that becomes the comedic applause. So basically in a long winded answer, what I'm saying is it's really there it's significant. No one's talking about it. And what we're really struggling with as males is compassion around this. My mind is blown. It's like little lights are flying right now. One thing that you just mentioned is how there's more latitude in what is quote acceptable for men. And I think what can happen between men and women is there is a loss of compassion because of that. So what I mean by this is, well, 
your waist doesn't need to look like this. Your butt doesn't need to look like this. Mm -hmm. Dad bod became cool. What Mm -hmm. there's all this, what about me? And what happens is we're starting to like, even between how you identify and gender come against each other rather than saying this whole freaking system is bananas. Why is there any definition at all, which maybe further isolates men in some ways where they're not getting some compassion even further because it's not as bad quote yeah. for men. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, as I think about that, I, I think about the application, right. And yes, dad bods are acceptable, but as soon as dad with a dad bod goes to the beach and takes a shirt off, mm-hmm. right. As we've seen by like celebrities who have dad bod, they're ridiculed. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's sort of like acceptable, ish <laughs> but not really yeah. right point. you know to a certain point and so like you know it's um so like again that experience of like you know there's still gonna be ridicule like it's acceptable right and 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 especially around standards of beauty like it's acceptable and yet they're still ribbing like there's still like like sort of this um this really in stupidly in like locker room perception of like, oh, but I'm allowed to joke about it. And, and inherently when that happens, that's where we see the fat phobia, right? You're saying it's acceptable, but there's also this underlying weight stigma and fat phobia that's telling me it's really not. Right. Right. And that there's hierarchy around bodies. Absolutely. And this is how patriarchy affects men also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny you you talked about The Office because Melissa and I have often talked about New Girl, which is one of our favorite shows. And that is like the storyline around Schmidt is also all about Mm. his weight and his transformation and the jokes, the jokes. Just like sometimes, like you said, I would have to like turn it off or like walk away or like turn around and look at Brian and be like, why did they say that? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, totally. And, you know, it's one of those, my, my son loves the office and just it's, it's on repeat on his phone. Like he just watches all day. He's not, oh yeah. And, um, but, and, and so like the, the important part of that, right. Is as we, as we see it is sometimes I, I don't turn it off. And I say like, that's, that's fucked up mm-hmm. right out loud. Right. Like, Whoa, that's like really shaming. You know, I'm wondering, I'm wondering why they do that. Right. So that, yeah. that now we can have a conversation as a family about fat phobia. I love that question. I wonder why they do that. Right. So kind of letting, letting our kids kind of even say the wrong thing, draw the wrong conclusion, work back and forth off that because yeah. they are taking these things in and, and there are like implicit messages that you don't have to say oh, yeah. people learn. I love that yeah. question. One of our audience members asked about raising teenage sons in particular, like how would you sort of approach that conversation knowing, you know, kids tend to have that repulsion of any kind of real talk too, like get away from me with this. Yeah. What would you say would be helpful to raise boys who are resilient through this? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's the same skills that we would do for our teenage daughters. Mm -hmm. And, and that is, uh, having a safe home is a safe space. Home is the space where, you know, we can unpack all those feelings and we are here to listen to you and we are here to help you, um, you know, feel those feelings, right. When, when you might spend a lot of time either now online or in person or whatever with, with your friends or in, in a classroom or at camp and it, 
and and you feel that you can't show those feelings that you're just going to sort of stuff them down or hold on to them. Home is a safe space where we can talk about them and it's okay to be angry and sad and grieve and, you know, grieve that we don't have the body that someone else does. Um, but home is the place where we get to have these conversations when you're ready and, and that we're always here to listen, you know, and that it, we're not going to force it. Right. It's not like, Oh, it's body image talk time at, you know, 4 PM on Thursday, let's all sit down on the couch and crack open some, some fruity pebbles and, and, and how's everyone feeling about their body image? No, I think it, I I just, I think it has to be organic. Like it has to just be like, you know, I came home and like, this is what's going on. Okay. Yeah. That sounds really horrible. If you want to talk about it, I'm here to listen. You know, and what I'm finding is, as I, as my again my my house of my study of this house, right? I can't. I don't know if I can extrapolate out, but um, as our kids are getting older, is that those conversations are harder to have, right? They they want to be more autonomous, which I we want to build, and I, I'm thankful for the foundation we laid early in childhood that we talk about things in this house. Right, that things are communicated in this house, and that we come together as a family, and we 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 share hard feelings, and we can share anger, and and all all of those ones that might feel uncomfortable, and I, and I think that foundation has um, taught our kids that, yeah, it might not be the right time, but there is, but when I'm ready, there is a time where where it's okay to talk about these things. Never too late. Nice to start early on that. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And and listen, I think if you are starting late, I think there's transparency. You say like, hey, this is something I think would be helpful that I'm trying to learn. Right. And I'd love to see how we can do this together. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think being transparent saying like, yeah, I, I, I didn't know how to do this before because of my own struggles, you know. Oh, don't you wish sometimes I wish my parents had uh, taken their arm around me and said, hey. That's what I do. <laughs> Instead of it right? been perfect, yeah. <laughs> assuming that I was perfect, yeah. Um, yeah. I will hearken our listeners back to the episode with Jay Baum. We talked about raising intuitive eaters, and mm. she shared a really similar message um, that you know it's okay that you're learning. That's the gift of being a human. Like, yeah, not always be. That's a good yeah. thing. Let your kids in on that. It's it's a beautiful thing to be able to do that, and it's totally. a good thing yeah too. And it takes us back, sorry, Aaron. No, go ahead, please. It it takes us back to perfectionism. Like we feel like we need to be perfect parents and it's like, this shit is messy. Right, (laughs) right. It's not perfect. You're not going to say the right things every single time. And I think what Jay said and and kind of like what I've always said on this podcast, the way that I parent is that when I make a mistake, I tell them like mommy yelled and she was sorry for yelling. I mean, my kids are a lot smaller than yours, but letting them know, like, it wasn't right that I yelled and I'm sorry that I got angry. But now, I, you know, I'm expressing to you that you can still come to me you yeah. know, and talk to me, even though I made a mistake, because it's okay that I made a mistake. We all yeah. make mistakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, and our house, in our house we, yeah, we call it the circle back, right? Like, oh, I'm going to circle back. And, circle back. Yeah, I like that. Let me circle and I, back. <laughs> and I got and I got to apologize. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, I that is up. coming from your corporate culture, I think. That's, okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's like a biz kind of oh. circle. Oh, listen, there's so much synergy in our house. <laughs> like we are constantly taking things offline Great and <laughs> networking. Oh yeah. No. Family networking is key. Yeah. 
we, we did have a corporate takeover a little while ago. So oh, wow. still, yeah, I don't want to talk about it yet. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I really appreciate this discussion. I mean, this is just scratching at the surface, but um, you know, for anyone who maybe is a male listener or knows a male listener, I would encourage you to share this podcast and let them know that, you know, it's okay to investigate what's going on with you. It's probably not abnormal. Um, and I just only wish and hope that more representation starts to happen. So the conversation can continue. Yeah, I, I me too. Well, I'd love to switch gears just slightly here. We want to talk a little bit about partner dynamics. Yeah. So the reason for this is Delane and I have been noticing um, both on our Instagram pages and in sessions, not always are both partners on the same page at the same mm -hmm. time when it comes to intuitive eating. So I collected a few different questions I think represent the kind of different scenarios that can occur. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're going to just kind of kick these off one at a time, see what we can get through here. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. Ready. So the first one is my partner doesn't get why I don't want to focus on losing weight. So this makes me feel like one person is starting an IE journey. One person is maybe confused or resistant of that. What are you all seeing in your practice, how that plays out and how someone might approach something like this? Well, I mean, I, I, I find it very common. I think this is a really common experience to see. And I think about, honestly, I think about my own experience that I shared a little bit earlier is that I picked up intuitive eating, you know, when I was in school and like, I think I got, I don't know, not very far into it and put it down because I was like, this doesn't seem like something I want to do or it seems important or I didn't believe it, whatever it was, I couldn't get through it. Um, but I came back to it later and it, it resonated more, right? It just happened at the right time. And as we move out of diet culture, some of us are ready at different times and thinking about what helps, what helped us move the dial to try this very different approach and what that unlearning looks like. Mm. And the hard part is that we can't force that. Yeah. You know, we can model it. We can show what is, how it's helpful to us, you know, share things that helped us move into this space and why this other way of doing things was no longer viable. Mm -hmm. And in the end, I believe in informed consent. Someone's going to make their own choices. Someone's going to um, either buy into this or not. And it's not. One of the things I've resigned to is um, I'm sort of done debating. You know, I, I'm not a good debater, period. And I, I don't need to convince everyone that this is the way, right? Yeah. The Mandalorian reference there for those oh, who are, are big fans. Yeah. Um, it, my, 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 you know, I just want to present that, you know, this is what's working for, that there's research that shows this works first off, but, but more importantly, it's what like, aligns with my values and my clients' values. And, and I think that's really important. So when someone is holding on to that, like still I want to lose weight and, and I don't get why you don't either, it can be one of those places where, you know, maybe for right now there needs to be a boundary. Like, hey, I respect that that's what you are questioning. And, you know, it's 
it's a hard, you can't put intuitive eating health at every size and body trust into a 30 second sound bite. It's a nuanced discussion. And so what I found is, you know, I couldn't even really articulate it well for a long time. So maybe the boundary is okay, but this is what I feel like is working right now. So can we just like, this is a, a conversation of weight and body size. Let's just not have, right. like, I don't want to have that conversation right now because I'm working through it. And maybe at another time we can sort of approach it, but I think it's okay boundaries with people and the people we love um, to, to aid in our own healing. Yeah. Sonia Renee Taylor's book, The Body is on Apology, centers on this whole idea of like, how comfortable are we with our own, with difference? Yeah. Hearing right? it phrased that way, I was like, oh yes, that is right. Being different mm -hmm. makes me feel some kind of way. It makes you feel some kind of way because we all want to belong. Mm -hmm. And more than anything in a partnership, yeah. we belong. Like, yes, that's the biggest level of belonging we, we want in our lives. And so yeah, it makes so much sense to me that that belonging gets threatened, but it doesn't have to, if you can respect the difference. So I love this, right. This thing that you're saying like, Hey, it's okay. You're not where I'm at. And I need to not discuss this at the same time. That can be a great starting point until if ever your partner is going to come around to this as something that meets their needs. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. Scary stuff though. It can be very scary. Too. Oh, super. Cause, cause I think that the, the next sentence that comes like, but they're not going to find me attractive body changes. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's real. I mean, like that is a real, you know, that that's the space as dietitians, right. Um, in my like um, relationship counseling class, right. Uh, you guys had like what three or four classes on that, right. Relationship counseling. <laughs> um no yeah. we did not have that oh. <laughs> like a zero maybe like, i'm the only one school <laughs> yeah maybe i'm the only one who got you know no i got zero also my yep. point is like that's the space we need to hold though for our clients yeah. is yeah. that yeah as soon as we start talking about this the ripple effect is this area mm -hmm. and it you know and yes hopefully they have a therapist and are talking about it there but like it's gonna grow in body image and like standards and we just need to be able to hold space for that's a real fear yeah. i can understand that and what that means and you know and we can hold space for, for that fear yeah and that's sometimes what it means for us to be coaching from our lens like you're driving yeah. we're in the seat next to you we're here and and it's okay yeah. to feel and fear these things it's important to name it as a roadblock in your own journey and yeah. you know what's to come is up to you um but yeah, yeah. That's, that's honest for sure. Seen that in yeah. too. All right. So our next question, Aaron, is a little bit deeper dive on the one we just covered. And it brings up some nuances that I think are helpful for people to consider. So this person's asking about their partner who's considering weight loss surgery. They say they're an evangelist of IE right now, and they want to tell them what they're feeling. They're both in larger bodies, but the person asking the question is smaller. She says, I recognize my size privilege. How do I honor their journey and mine at the same time without going nuts as the person preparing the food? Yeah. It, this is like, uh, like upper division work, right? This is a really hard question. And the reason is, um, you know, I think as, as someone's having that weight loss surgery, uh, we want to honor right there, their choice, their body autonomy but also knowing that it's going to affect us, right? And that 
and that's seeing maybe how they eat differently now, uh, their body might change and how that could show up for us. So I think the heart of the question, right, is, is as I hear it, is how do I step into this brave conversation mm-hmm. with my partner to say, I respect your choice. And because we're partners, it's going to affect me this way. How can we just be really open and talk about it? Yeah. You know, and, and noticing that like, hey, like in, in, a, in both like maybe what, I don't want there to be an emotional change because of a physical one. Yeah. Right. Like, like what, what, what we are here for, right. And we're the reason we're together, hope, you know, hopefully is that deep emotional connection, Yeah. you know? And I think because body, um, because body image or like, or body discussions, I don't like the word image there because body discussions are so hard. I think we tend to just shy away from them. I think we just say like, Oh, this is going to get really tricky. And, and it can get tricky, absolutely, especially in this case. But I think if there's a lot of like really open dialogue and, and support on both sides, mm-hmm. right, that, that a partnership can weather that, you know? Um, you know, and I think, again, it comes back to body autonomy. Like this is their, their journey, right? And my journey is going to feel a little bit different, but together we're partners, you have to be a little bit improvisational sometimes in a partnership where like, oh, oh, totally. this little factor came in, none of us saw. How do yeah. we move through that together? And I, and I almost got the sense from this question that the person was almost wanting to like fix it in secret and not kind of talk about how it's impacting them. And I think that's usually something that backfires for folks um, and, and a form of poor boundary setting in and of itself, right? When you are not communicating your boundary or your right. is on without letting people know that can be really challenging. So certainly yeah. difficult, not impossible. And using that, that it's your choice, body autonomy. Uh, yeah. Key. You know, and also just validating, right. As dietitians, we're not really, this is not in our wheelhouse, mm-hmm. right. I mean, this is, this is a really hard space to hold also. Right. Um, and, and, you know, just, I, I would say zooming out, right. To thinking about the, the, the folks who are, the clinical folks who are working to this, the other dietitians is this is why supervision is like a must yeah. as you're doing this, right? Is like, who's supporting you as you're having these holding space and having these conversations with your clients. Right. And ha- not having a ton of skill or power to, to all right. fix, fix, you know, and support mm-hmm. people through these types of things. So. Yeah. But great question. I appreciate the attention to size privilege. This person's talking about that is a thing that's going to make weight loss surgery feel more urgent for some than others, given the way that the world is set up. Yeah. Last one, we're going to kind of take this quickly. So this person is noticing that their partner is a natural intuitive eater. um, And they're feeling a little bit like they don't get it. Like all the struggle and thought around food. Mm -hmm. I struggle with this one with clients sometimes because how mm-hmm. do you explain something they've never gone through? What's your thoughts on this? When one person person like oh. gets it and the other one feels like they're struggling. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm I'm like so thankful those people exist. Those natural intuitive eaters, you know. <laughs> no, it's possible. Uh, yeah, it is right. I mean, I, it's like I'm like you know, like just the amount of energy that they have not spent their lives 
around food is just, I'm like, oh, you've got to focus on so many other things yeah. uh, while I was <laughs> wrapped up in food. Um, you know, I, I think it, it, there's something to um, why I love Brene Brown and empathy, right, is perspective taking and, and, and compassion. That's where self-compassion stuff is, right? Being able to sort of see the perspective of the other individual, right? And I think when we really provide empathy for folks, um, it doesn't mean we have to have the exact same experience, right? But that I can identify, maybe not around food, but around other places where I might have that kind of anxiety or fear or um, preoccupation, right? That is, you know, I, I didn't commit energy here, but it was over here. And sort of just saying like, you know, I, I'm... Empathy is to me, again, I said it before, is being able to hold space for that person, right? And to say like, you know, I'm not here to fix it, right? And so like in sharing, right? Uh, one of the things that uh, my partner and I did is we went to like this, you know, pre-marriage like course that University of Judaism put out here. And, and we, we went there and um, the therapist there told us like, sometimes you just need to signpost for your partner. And signposting is saying like, I'm going to tell you the story. And at the end of it, all I need you to say is, wow, that sounds horrible. Right. I'm so glad you told right. me. And sometimes. The the test. <laughs> right. So, so, you know, and sometimes partners really want to fix it. We don't want to see anyone we love in distress, but if you can sort of say like, Hey, I'm really struggling with food. Right. Like I, I sort of try to challenge my food rules around Oreos and, you know, it's just really hard right now. And I want Oreos in the house, but I don't want them in the house. And I should get more, but I don't want more. And I'm just going to, I need to tell you, right? I don't need you to come up with a plan for me. I just need you to know that, like, this is in my head and that you're willing to listen. Yeah, that's really wonderful modeling. You know? How to and so, yeah. Two, finding communities of people who do get it takes burden off your partnership oh yeah that particular need so totally. you know this idea that your partner is gonna be all the check boxes puts a lot of pressure on the partnership and so that's why i find my clients who have found community who i had a client the other day who shared a body mm -hmm. image story she goes i've never had a group of people tell me i get it without me having to explain it or having, oh, yeah. having to feel like i have to be like oh it's not that bad you know she just said it, they gave her support and idea yep. and she moved on and she didn't have to take that to her partner. Yeah, so, not, yeah. yeah. It's I a think lot. That, I think that community piece is so important, you know, and it's what we need so much more of. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I'm constantly talking to my clients about how we live in such an indiv individualistic society and we feel like we have to take it all on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes our partners are the only people that we're talking to and yeah. they take it on themselves. And then it's just like the two of you against the world. It doesn't have to be that right, right. Yeah. Um, we are, and that's why I love Brene Brown too. Like we're supposed to have community as human yeah. beings. We weren't meant to do all of this alone. So finding your community is so important. Yeah. And it's why COVID is just sucked. Oh, yes. Because our oh, community just you know, was taken away from us in so many ways. Yeah. In ways that we maybe didn't appreciate or know. Exactly. Or yeah. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was a very 
educational and nourishing conversation today. I am so excited to have been able to spend time with you, Aaron. Before we close, I'd love for you to let know let people know where to find you. Anything yeah. you're working on you want to share with us? Yeah. First of all, I, th- I want that to be my tagline, Aaron. Incredibly informative and nourishing. Ooh, like, so nourishing. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <my soul>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Well. Um, my, my website is smashthewaytriarchy.com and you can find me there. Um, and um, I'm on Instagram. I will be honest. I post probably uh, once a month, if that. Um, and I don't, I don't, my self-care is I'm really hopping off social media in a lot of ways and um, had to take a step back. But but I, I do post stuff there occasionally. Um, my podcast, Dietitians Unplugged, you can definitely check out past episodes. Um, and I also host, um, I run two different groups. I run a men's group, uh, a body trust men's support group, and um, it runs in six week cycles. So if you're interested in that, you can definitely um, uh, email me at aaronfloresrdn at gmail.com. And the other group I run with um, uh, Dr. Rachel Milner is a support group for providers who are struggling with their own body image or eating disorder. Um, and so it's a, it's a really confidential space where providers can feel safe to explore their own issues and get support. Uh, we appreciate Love you. Love and work. Yeah. Thank you. I am wishing you so much fun and joy through the rest of this quarantine. Um, hope yeah. we'll see you at a conference or something someday yeah. when life returns. So good. Whenever that happens. Right. I, I, I really hope so. We can, we can, we can really share a meal and, yes, and I'd exactly. love to ch- love to chat. I just want people around me again, even though right. I didn't want them around them back then. Like I want yeah. them back. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Thanks again, Aaron. Good to see yeah, you. Thank you Aaron. for having me. This is wonderful. Bye-bye. Okay. So the episode is over now, Melissa. What did you think? How did you feel? This was like a really good conversation. Like I, I learned a lot. I loved it. I learned a lot. Like I was like, really like, wow, this is deep. (laughs) And again, a question we get so much is about like, where's the representation of men? Like Mm -hmm. do men struggle with this? I have a lot of conversations with my husband about this because there was like a time at work where him and another coworker would work out together and like mm-hmm. before work. And it was great. Cause like they would talk about business and like, oh, yeah. they do the whole thing. But over, over time, like the relationship starts. We talk all day, all day long. I Again, the brain moves faster. You'll see that this is a revolving topic in our, in our outros. I kind of like, Melissa Medi- has a lot meditate. going on. I gotta meditate or some <laughs> shit. Like, <laughs> she's gotta simmer down. Gotta simmer down. Anyway, back to this story. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like we were having this conversation, and Dave, my husband, was like kind of unaware of some of the forces of like, oh yeah, no, I like I want pecs. Yeah. I'm like, well, think about that. Like, why do you want pecs? Like, yeah, whether or not that happens, like everybody has some sort of ideal yeah. in their mind. Yeah and what you gravitate toward and what you've been conditioned to want is different. It's not wrong to want it, but it does impact your behaviors and it can create distorted relationships with food and and exercise and all that. It does. And I think on the flip side in in our household, Brian being in the military, that's Mm -hmm. also a big 
you know, a big thing. There's, there's also still like BMI criteria for the military. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. which is so they hard. have to have so hip hip to waist uh, ratios. Um, there's a lot of things they have to check off when they get to to their PT. Yeah, um, which can can become very disordered for some of them, for some of the people involved because mm -hmm. they have to meet the criteria and it becomes this like binge restrict cycle almost a lot of the times. Uh, thankfully, Brian doesn't deal with that, but it's definitely something that he tells me all the time. Like so and so went on keto or so and so is doing this, and you know he's you know, just like Dave. They'll be like, well, my wife. <laughs> Well, sometimes I'm like, are you, <laughs> like, did I say this the right way? I'm like, please send them to the podcast. Um, I appreciate you, but it is, it is, I appreciate him because it's awesome yeah. to see him sort of like stepping up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, my husband owns his business as well. And it means so much to me that he's like creating a culture at work, or he's mm -hmm. trying to understand how to create a culture at work. Cause they're in tech. There are a couple women that work there, but it's mostly men. And I'm like, you can have a really big impact yeah. on this if you get your head yeah. on straight. So. Yeah. Get it together, Dave. Yes, he does. He does. My, <laughs> sweet, my sweet man. He's so sweet. Um, yeah, no, this was a really interesting topic. I wish there were more resources. I'm so grateful Aaron exists. Like, what yeah. a guy. Like, what a yeah. smart guy. Yes. And his voice is so calming. So calming. I couldn't get over that. I'm like, I feel so calm. <laughs> How do you think, do you think we make people feel calm or it's like my no my... I'm too loud <laughs> I'm like simmer down Delina you're yelling and I'm like I'm just talking during my coach training there was this like exercise and they were like you know what are the qualities you bring into the coaching room and one of them was calm and I was like I can bring calm if I'm like I think in counseling sessions I can get more into that that zone but then the other word was like zest. I'm like, I got That's like my... too much zest. This is like extra zesty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my friend. Well, I hope everyone oh. found this episode helpful. At least get the wheel turnings and definitely found a resource in Aaron. Yes, yes. So that was today's episode. If you loved what you heard please leave us a review wherever you found this podcast so that we can help other people looking to hear their relationship with food find their way to our show and find a little bit of peace yes apparently it matters we appreciate when you take the time to rate five stars extra bonus points if you take a moment to write down what you think about this podcast so others can evaluate if it's any good you can also tell friends about our podcast. Word of mouth is how Delina and I have grown our pages. Whenever you share our posts or anything mm -hmm. like that gets us seen. If I mean, you might think about how you found us. Maybe you <laughs> found a post that resonated and you said, yeah. hmm, let me pull that thread. And here you are listening to us in your car. Our crazy, know. crazy, crazy selves. There you go. So <laughs> do let others know if you like what you hear. Um, we just want to thank you for being here letting us be who we are, letting yourselves be who you are. Thanks for that. Yes. Peace, love, and break the diet cycle. See you, Delina. See you, Melissa.